Welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. I'm Beth Allen, and I'm here with Carol Wood, and we're two members of the NFP Benefits Compliance team. Today, we're going to discuss the new electronic delivery safe harbor recently proposed by the DOL. As all of you know, delivering required disclosures to employees can be a challenge for a lot of employer plan sponsors. Because of that, the industry really has been pushing for updated DOL guidance that considers the technological advances that we've made in society. So the latest guidance comes as welcome news. But as with any regulatory initiatives, the devil really is in the details. So we're going to take some time today to discuss the parameters and details of the most recently proposed rule. So I'm going to kick this off to Carol. And could you start by just giving us some context? What prompted the DOL's proposal at this time? Uh, Sure, Beth. Uh, This proposal followed the President's Executive Order 13847, which instructed the Department of Labor to determine whether regulatory actions could be taken to improve the effectiveness of participant disclosures and also reduce their cost to employers. And after review and consultation with other regulatory agencies, including the Treasury Department, the Department of Labor set forth this new quote-unquote, notice and access safe harbor. Provided certain conditions are satisfied, the new safe harbor allows for ERISA retirement plan disclosures to be made available on a website following specified notice to participants and beneficiaries. That's good to hear. So you specifically mentioned retirement plan disclosures. Is the new safe harbor not available for welfare benefit plans? No. Unfortunately, at this time, the proposed safe harbor would only be applicable to retirement plans, and that includes multi-employer plans. And I realize this may be a disappointment to some plan sponsors. However, the DOL indicated that it declined to include welfare benefit plans at this time until it had the opportunity to review the issue further with HHS and other involved agencies. So it seems like a situation in which the DOL was seeking to be thorough and did not want to overlook any issues that may be unique to welfare benefit plans. But hopefully we will receive updated guidance with respect to welfare plans in the near future. Yeah, I hope so too. So this release um, on October 23rd was dubbed the new Electronic Disclosure Safe Harbor. But haven't plan sponsors been using electronic delivery, and at least for some populations of their employees, for a little while now? Yes, Beth, that's correct. Uh, To review, back in 2002, the Department of Labor issued a safe harbor that permitted electronic delivery of disclosures. And under this prior safe harbor, employees with integral access to the employer's computer system at work could be defaulted to electronic delivery. And all others were required to affirmatively consent to the electronic method. The the chosen delivery method had to be reasonably calculated to ensure actual receipt. Uh, There were certain notice and content requirements, and participants maintained the right to request paper copies. And many sponsors, as you know, do rely upon this 2002 Safe Harbor today. However, in recognition of increased participant internet access, technological enhancements, and of course industry demand, the DOL introduced a new notice and access option as an alternative to, rather than a replacement of, that existing 2002 Safe Harbor. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. That 2002 Safe Harbor is what we've been operating with for a while, but it is kind of difficult to comply with for some employers. So now with this new proposed rule, um, we're going to have some new options. What does the Notice and Access Safe Harbor involve, and what types of disclosures would be covered? 
the proposal alternative permits required disclosures for pension benefit plans to be posted online, followed by a notice to covered individuals who can then access the documents continuously using an internet con connected device. Uh, covered individuals are participants, beneficiaries, and any other individual entitled to documents who have provided the plan administrator or, or designee with an electronic address, such as an email address or smartphone number. Alternatively, if an electronic address is assigned by an employer for this purpose, the employee is treated as if he or she had provided the electronic address. Covered documents include all disclosures required under Title I of ERISA, for example, a summary of material modification or an annual funding notice, with the exception of documents that must be furnished upon request, such as a trust agreement. So if I understand you correctly, an employer could essentially assign an email or a smartphone number to their employees, and that could be considered the address provided for e-delivery. That is a bit different than the previous safe harbor. Yes, uh, that would be one of the distinctions. For some employers, the new safe harbor may provide a larger population to which electronic delivery can be the default. If you recall, under the 2002 safe harbor, the use of the computer had to be an integral part of the employee's responsibilities. It was generally viewed as a default to electronic delivery for office workers, but paper delivery for others in the field. So this most recent proposal seems to recognize technological advances, including the increased use of mobile devices, such as smartphones for internet access. Yeah, I think we can all agree, obviously, that technology has come a long way since 2002. I mean, the vast majority of us probably have essentially a computer in our pocket on our smartphones. To what extent did this increasingly wired world factor into the proposal? Oh, no doubt there have been significant advances in 17 years. Uh, I think the Department of Labor realized that a well-designed plan website or internet-connected device may really benefit plan participants by effectively communicating plan information, including by features not possible with paper, such as interactivity, layer designs, and search functions. And future technology will likely enhance website features even further. For many individuals, electronic means is the preferred mode of communications today. So te technological progress, desire for more effective disclosures, and participant preferences were factors behind the notice and access alternative and of course, greater use of electronic as opposed to paper communications can result in substantial cost savings for many plans. However, having said that, the Department of Labor also recognized that certain populations may be less inclined to access the internet or may simply prefer to receive paper copies of required disclosures. So there are specific safeguards, such as notice requirements built into this proposal to ensure covered individuals receive the disclosures by the method most effective for them. That's good. One of the important things that ERISA requires is that when notices are sent, they're sent in a way that would ensure that there's actual receipt by the person. So that's kind of where these safeguards come into play. So let's discuss the safeguards a bit, starting with the notice requirement. What type of notifications are required under the new proposal? I would break down the notice requirements into two main categories, the initial notice requirements and then the ongoing notice requirements. Let's start with the initial notice. Plan administrators who choose to use this new safe harbor must send an initial paper notification, yes, I did say paper, to apprise covered individuals of the new electronic delivery method and the opportunity to opt out. 
This initial notice would need to be provided to each person for whom the new safe harbor is to be used. So even if employees currently receive electronic disclosures pursuant to the 2002 safe harbor, they would still need to receive the initial notice. And then following this initial period, the employer would only need to provide the notice to new employees who would be covered by the notice and access safe harbor. So you indicated that one of the requirements of the initial notice is explaining the opportunity to opt out. Is that correct? Yes. The proposed rule actually includes two significant protections for individuals who prefer to receive paper versions of covered documents. First, a covered individual who prefers to receive all documents in paper may opt out of electronic delivery altogether, and the initial notice must explain the process for doing so. Second, individuals who do not opt out of electronic disclosure um, in general can still request and receive a paper copy of a particular document free of charge. This second option must be explained in the ongoing notices. Okay, so let's review the ongoing notice requirements now. I understand that the proposed rule was very specific about those requirements. Uh, there are quite a few details to be aware of. Generally, the new safe harbor requires plan administrators to send what is termed a notice of internet availability to each covered individual's electronic address each time a document is made available on the website. However, administrators are permitted to combine certain annual disclosures for notification purposes. For example, a 401k plan's QDIA notice and investment disclosure. In these situations, the notice of availability would be considered timely if furnished as otherwise required by ERISA and not later than 14 months following the date of the prior plan year's notice. Uh, in terms of the content, the notice of internet availability must be comprised of a prominent title, a statement that important retirement plan information is available for review at the specified website, a brief description of the document, website address, a statement of the right to obtain a paper version of the document free of charge, and the phone number for the plan administrator. The address of the website must be sufficiently specific to provide ready access to the covered document, either by leading the covered individual directly to the document or to a login page that provides a prominent link to that document. And so as not to obscure the significance of the disclosures, uh, the proposal also states that the notice can't contain additional content, with the exception of pictures, logos, and design elements, uh, for fear because provided those elements are not misleading. Uh, and the notice, this is important, must be written in a manner calculated to be understood by the average plan participant. Yeah, that's an interesting concept of whether or not it can be understood by the average plan participant. I understand the DOL even provided a standard for determining if the notice was written um, in a manner that is calculated to be understood by the average participant. Uh, yes, the, the DOL was very specific here. Uh, they specified the notice um, should use short sentences without double negatives, active voice, everyday words rather than technical and legal jargon, and language that results in a flesh reading ease test score of at least 60. Uh, the flesh score apparently measures the complexity of text. I believe a score of 60 is writing easily understood by 13 to 15 year old students. So communicating at this required level may be a challenge in itself, and, and perhaps even more so for, for legal professionals <laughs> like us. 
So I had actually never heard of the flesh score, so I think that's really interesting. But the requirement sounds a lot like kind of the DOL's or the ERISA's requirement that the summary plan description be in language that can be easily understood. So, correct. Yeah, I mean the the, the point is that um, the the DOL is really being more specific here, and some of these requirements that we've read through including the uh, the flex uh, test score sound very specific and, and perhaps a bit tedious but it's really important that the plan administrator follows the DOL specific guidelines if they're intending to rely upon the safe harbor absolutely I'm sure a lot of interested employers and industry leaders will have some comments to share um, about the rule itself and even going into this idea of employees that have left the plan so let's discuss the comment period for a moment Sure. First, it is important to remember that this is a proposed electronic disclosure safe harbor that cannot be relied upon by plan sponsors until the final rule is published. Uh, the DOL is accepting comments on all aspects of the proposed rule through November 22nd, so there may be some changes based upon the feedback prior to release of a final rule. The new safe harbor option will become effective 60 days following the publication of that final rule. So now that we've gone into a discussion of just what the plan is about, or excuse me, the proposed rule is about, let's talk about the probability that employers will use this. Do you really think that plan sponsors will want to take advantage of this safe harbor once it's effective? I believe many sponsors will be interested, particularly because it potentially expands the category of participants who can be defaulted to electronic delivery. However, a drawback right now is that it only applies to retirement plan disclosures. So many employers may choose to wait for the Department of Labor to complete its analysis of the applicability to welfare benefit plans before changing delivery methods. Otherwise, the employer would be left with the cumbersome task of having to comply with different disclosures for different plans with different default populations. It, it probably would be confusing not only to the sponsors, but to participants as well. I definitely agree with that, especially um, in a time where more and more employers are starting to look at benefits um, as kind of just a total reward type concept that would include retirement and health plans at the same time. It would be difficult to have to send out documents differently for both plans. So kind of wanting that consistency, are there any other issues that you see with the proposed rule? Yeah, generally, I believe the proposal, as you said, is welcome and provides sponsors with additional flexibility. However, unlike the prior safe harbor, the new proposal does not require the administrator to determine whether an employee uses an electronic system as part of the job or for the employee to confirm affirmatively consent to e-delivery. So a concern is that certain participants may be defaulted to a delivery method they're not necessarily comfortable interacting with. And the Department of Labor is going to have to take those comments into account before finalizing the rule. That's good. And so, yeah, with the comments, I understand that the DOL also is seeking comments on a separate but related initiative. Can you talk about that um, a bit? Yes. Uh, also in response to the executive order's directive, the DOL is seeking information and ideas regarding measures in addition to this notice and access framework that would enhance the effectiveness of ERISA disclosures. This second request focuses more upon the design, content, and effectiveness of the disclosures and includes specific questions upon which feedback is sought. For example, the DOL asked, what is the best way to measure the effectiveness of a disclosure? Uh, and inquired whether there are too many disclosures or too much information to be disclosed. And they were interested in feedback regarding the design 
and how that impacts the likelihood that participants will read and understand the information. So, so the DOL is taking a much broader look at ERISA disclosures and if regulatory changes could be made to make these materials more helpful to participants and beneficiaries. And I'm confident that many plan sponsors and service providers have great feedback to provide. As you're well aware, employers spend significant time and money preparing and delivering plan materials, but often question the extent to which participants actually read and absorb the data. So I'm very interested in the industry commentary and the extent to which it may generate changes with respect to the disclosure requirements. And to end on a positive note, I'm cautiously optimistic that this related initiative may produce beneficial results for, for plan sponsors and participants alike. I think we would all appreciate that. Um, and so thank you for breaking down this rule and kind of its implications and details for us today. Uh, as you all know, we're going to continue to follow these regulations and just initiatives put out by the Department of Labor. And we hope that you all will stay tuned to our podcast in the future. As we always say, that's a wrap.